Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Hi, with John Landecker, welcoming back to the program, one of our favorite people, Rod Pyle, Editor-in-Chief at Astra Magazine, host of Podcast This Week in Space. Good evening, Rod. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me, John. Where the hell did you find that song? <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that before. I've heard uh, well, all the wacky space songs. You know, I uh, I cannot reveal my sources. Otherwise, everybody no. will just do it, and I won't sound unique anymore. But Those it's... black Chevy Tahoes pull up in front of the station and start <laughs> looking for you, right? Okay. How'd you know? Um, because, so, I, because I go on coast to coast, man. I know it all. <laughs> so let's talk about. You sent us an email, and it's it's a yeah. it sounds like a very serious situation um, that's currently unfolding. Uh, fill us in. So this is a, a space station. I wouldn't call it an emergency. I'd call it a an event of concern. Mm. And this happened on December fourteenth. So. The International Space Station always has at least, at least two spacecraft docked to it, usually a Soyuz from the Russians and, uh, more recently, American spacecraft, and that, of course, means a SpaceX Crew Dragon. And you want to have enough uh, capsules up there that if they have to retreat into the capsule because of an emergency, like a, a radiation spike or, you know, puncture, an oxygen leak, something like that. They've got that. And then if they need to come home urgently, you want enough capacity to bring home however many people are up there. And that usually means having two spacecraft sitting on standby. So they have uh, a, a Dragon and a Soyuz. And on December 14th, suddenly uh, somebody at NASA noticed a, a, a pressure reading on the Soyuz beginning to drop, and they turned on the camera. And sure enough, there's this big cloud of ice particles spraying out of the side of the Russian spacecraft. went on for about 18 hours. And what they realized is somehow it had either gotten punctured or sprung a leak, and all the coolant sprayed out. Now, you, you need coolant to keep the electronics going in there, even when it's just on standby. And certainly for coming home, you need coolant to keep the uh, the thing working. So it looks like we got a, a dead capsule up there, and they're going to have to figure out some way to get enough capacity to bring these people home because they're not on the ISS, but there have been there's been a fire on another space station in the past, the Russian Mir. You can get a puncture, you can get pressure loss. So there's a lot of reasons you want to make sure that you've got a way to get home in a, in a hurry. Do they have a way to get home? No. <laughs> Well, so let me let me uh, rephrase that. It's possible that it, so you got seven seven guys. And there's mm-hmm. I think four four seats in the uh, crew dragon. It's right. possible you could have the remainder of them lay on the floor underneath the crew couches, but you'd have to study that very carefully because when, even though you're coming down in the ocean with the crew dragon, it's a splashdown, not a dry landing. Um, you know, it hits uh, with some force at about 18, 20 miles an hour, I think. And that's enough that if you're if you're not in a crew couch, it, it could hurt your back. Now, that's better than dying in space. So in an emergency, there's a reasonable chance they could bring those guys back. But then it changes the weight balance of the capsule and all that. So they'd have some, some work to do to make sure they could do that safely. The other option is you just hurry up and get another Soyuz capsule up there as quick as possible and hope that one doesn't break. 
This used to be one of the most reliable spacecraft in the world. The Russians have been building them since 1965. But in the last six, seven years, as their economies stumbled a bit and their budgets are cutting and they've got some serious brain drain in the engineering at the end of this, um, they would have some problems, as we've seen. So if I'm understanding this correctly, yeah. there has been a, there's an 18-hour leak of coolant from the Russian Soyuz spacecraft. Am I got that right? Yes, sir. Well, that sounds, that doesn't, I mean, that sounds like a sci-fi movie gone wrong. And it, it looked like one, too, because you yeah. can see the video online. It's like, oh, that looks like a cheesy special effect from exactly. or something. Yeah. Right, right, right. And so the, there's two capsules. And, and how many individuals uh, all total? There's seven up there now. I think uh, three Russians and four Americans, or maybe it's the reverse. I can't remember. And how are um, they How are they separated in via the, I mean, who's in what capsule? Who's in the Soyuz and who's in the other, so to speak? Well, when they went up, it was Americans and the Crew Dragon, and uh, as I recall, and then one American and two Russians in the Soyuz. Because we've started, even with everything that's going on in Ukraine, we've started <sighs> buying seats from them again and allowing them to, to get seats on our spacecraft because we like to have this international diplomacy and trading. And it's kind of weird that it's going on during a, a war in Europe, but you know, at least we're keeping some diplomatic contact going, even though it's only through the space program. It's kind of a head-scratcher, but it, I think it's good overall. But it's this Russian's Soyuz that's at the the cause of all of this, and I think you just mentioned one of the ways to remedy this is for the Russians to send up a brand-new rocket. But that doesn't sound to me, the way you're describing the way things are now, you know, dip- diplomatically and every other way, that... That would be something that could happen a, with any kind of great haste. Well, it, it, but it's their guys, right? I mean, yeah. at least two of the three people that would be stuck there are Russians. Um, and they have shown, shown some disregard for the safety of their own people in the past. Mm. A few years ago, they did a anti-satellite missile test, and they knew damn well that the debris flow from that was going to go right up against the space station. And they had Russian cosmonauts up there, and they did the test anyway, and they had to do an emergency maneuver to move the space station out of the way. So they can be a little backhanded in their handling of even their own folks. But so far, you know, when you look at the way NASA mission control talks to Russian mission control and the way the astronauts get along, you know, there hasn't been any major break or, or slowdown in this since the Ukraine situation started. There was, we were wondering a bit, you know, when, that, when the attack first occurred, um, the assault on the country, is there going to be an issue? But, yeah. you know, it slowed down and got a little quieter for a few weeks, and then everything was business as usual. So i got to give them credit. You know, they're, they're keeping their nose clean that way. And remember uh, Dmitry Rogozin, the guy who used to run the Russian space program, he used to yell, oh, you Americans stink, and yeah. you want to get into space, ride your brooms and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, he's gone. He was the guy that when the last Soyuz sprung a leak about a year and a half ago, it just leaked, you know, it had a hole in it, which was clearly a manufacturing flaw. He immediately came out and said, oh, one of your American astronauts went out there with a drill and drilled a hole in it because they're freaking out and want to come home. So we're not hearing that kind of stuff this time, which is nice. Well, what what is the probable cause of this leak? Great question. You know, there was a meteor shower right about the time this happened, and uh, the Geminids meteor shower happens every year. This is where the Earth 
along its orbit crosses past the tail of a defunct comet that's fallen apart. So it's basically like flying through a gravel bank. So there was a suspicion that maybe it was one of those particles that punctured it. But according to the, the people who do orbital dynamics and analysis and all that stuff that I can't even begin to figure out, mm. it's not that. So it was either a straight piece of space debris or a manufacturing error. But they did find the hole. It's about a third of an inch. It's, you know, pretty big when you're trying to keep coolant inside something that's in a vacuum. And, you know, just to contextualize this, yeah. basically we've got guys living in the space station, which is a big aluminum can with air inside and a vacuum outside, and it's got climate control, and it's surrounded by smaller cans filled with explosive chemicals. It's kind of like living in a small condo with firebombs in the surroundings <laughs> and hoping they don't go off. So you don't like it when, when something slams into, you know, your controlled bomb over there. So that makes everybody a little nervous. When do you think there will be some resolution to this? When when will people know that uh, everyone w- will be safe? They held a, a press conference today, and unfortunately I was traveling for Christmas vacation during the conference, and I haven't seen any major news from it yet. Um, I know that the Russians were planning to send the next Soyuz up in March, they could probably advance that by at least two months because, like I said, they've been building and flying these things for 50 years almost, mm. and uh, actually more. And um, they're really good at it. And so they just you know, step on the gas a little bit and get the thing up a little earlier. How soon SpaceX could turn around a, another Dragon to get it up there? I, I don't know. They, they also move very, very fast. So the question in either case, I don't think, is is there a rocket ready? It's, is there a capsule ready? and tested and vetted to, to take off and go. But in theory, you could do it in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're talking to uh, Rod Pyle, uh, editor-in-chief of Ad Astra magazine. 720 WGN, that's supposed to have a little Christmassy outer space uh, feel to it. Eh, maybe, maybe not. John Landecker at 720 WGN, 748, talking to Rod Pyle, editor-in-chief of uh, Ad Astra magazine. And we've been discussing uh, a situation that uh, exists right now at the space station, the International Space Station, with, uh, well, with a um, dilemma as to how to, if needed, bring people home uh, due to a leak um, in the Russian Soyuz spacecraft. But apparently there's no final answer or decision as to how that's going to be handled. So I guess we'll just move on. But the thing that strikes me is this just happened a few days ago, and if I wouldn't have heard about it unless you sent us an email. So, I mean, yeah. uh, I'm a little weird. I'm a little like, what's going on? Um, I yeah, mean, I know that I know there's other big I know there's other big, big news stories. I get that. Yeah. Um, but the idea that uh, astronauts from both countries are stranded up there and there's possibility of um no lifeboat at this particular point, to use that phrase. I mean, I would think that that would be newsworthy, and I haven't heard a peep other than well, getting your email. And, and almost worse, it's not that they're all stranded there. It's that half of them are stranded there, potentially. Yeah. So it's like, okay, uh, let's draw straws and see who gets to go home. And I guess right. the Americans would go home. But, um, yeah, it's a little weird. You kind of got a sense for a while of nothing to see here move along, you know. But uh, I think, honestly, if there was more of a sense of panic, the space press would have picked up on it and said, hey, you know, because they will often take NASA to task over things, depending on which outlet you're talking about. Right. Um, so, 
you know, at this point, there's no reason to expect that anything would go wrong. However, the space station is 22 years old now, actually 20, close to 24, but it's been occupied for 22 years. And that's when stuff starts going wrong, you know, so you just want to be extra careful. And the <laughs> Russians did say, the Russian engineers on, on the uh, Soyuz side said, you know, you might want to rotate that space station a little bit every every uh, a couple of days to keep the thing in the shade. And then as the guys are like, oh, yeah, because if, if the pressure starts they going hit, up too much right, and the heat's right. up, you could get a kabang. So, eh, yeah, they're obviously thinking about it. You know, I'll there's track down more more news as we move along, but that's there, what I know now. There's two things about this that intrigue me, if that's the right word. One yeah. is the difference in diplomacy on Earth, and the difference in diplomacy at the space station. Because, as you just mentioned, you know the whole Russian-Ukraine uh, situation. Uh, the president of uh, the Ukraine addressed Congress yesterday. Uh, that's what's going here on Earth up. In the space station, you have uh, representatives of the United States and Russia having to work together at the same time that the United States is supplying an enemy of Russia uh, with arms. I'm not saying that we. Sh- I'm not saying that we shouldn't. Don't get me wrong. I'm just yeah. making an, an observation that both of these things exist at the same time, and that strikes me as being unique. <laughs> Maybe that's not the right word. Um, Careful. Fraught with uh, questions. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. I mean, I've seen sci-fi movies where, you know, the Russians and the American astronauts uh, have to do something together and there's, you know, the immediate distrust and things of that nature. And I don't know how things on Earth are relayed to representatives of respective nations while they're cohabiting a space station i i just um i just don't know i well, guess you know these these guys a lot of them are former military uh a lot of them uh, all, most of them are trained scientists or engineers or doctors or something so they're pretty sophisticated people and they seem to be able to keep their emotions in check mm-hmm. when it comes to politics and these concerns which i yeah. admire especially you know, if you if you served your country in the Air Force, let's say, for 10 years before you became an astronaut, right. and you were stationed in, in Europe as an advanced bomber squadron to go into to Russia, you know, should the worst happen, how do you flip that switch to suddenly now, okay, comrade, everything's cool, and to make it weirder, up until a few years ago, the Russians had a pistol aboard the Soyuz. They had what? a gun up there because it was possible... It, because the, remember the Soyuz lands in Siberia or, or Mongolia, uh, I think, right, Siberia, on right. dry land, and they had had incidents where it had gone off course and landed uh, off their you know hundreds of miles away from their landing zone, and cosmonauts had gotten stuck overnight trying to fend off hungry bears and stuff. So they mm-hmm. said, okay, in the in the seventies, I think it was, they said, okay, we'll give them a, a gun. So they had one kind of gun that was like a half pistol, half shotgun thing, and then later they said, just give them a Tokarev, which is like a forty-five. And uh, so for my God. years, you know, they had that and their bottle of vodka stuck away in the, <laughs> in the Soyuz. And those aren't things you want to mix together, right? Oh, no. But, uh, no. This is good. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, there's one, funny. there's one other aspect of this. I mean, that, that goes through my mind. Okay, we yeah. have the situation on Earth, Russia and the United States. We have the situation in space, Russia and the United States. Then you mentioned the rockets. So you have the Soyuz, and then you have 
SpaceX, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's still Elon Musk, isn't it? Crazy Elon, yes. <laughs> well, okay. There, need I say more? I mean, yes. <laughs> um, how, how, how does all that work? I don't... Uh, you mean in terms of the whole Twitter thing and all that? Well, just the way... I mean, I I understand people can what they call compartmentalize. I believe where, you know, they he could take allegedly take the Twitter situation and put it in one part of his brain, and the SpaceX in another part of his brain, and uh, the te- and yeah. the Tesla crashing in California in another part of his brain. But it just strikes me as being a very challenging situation especially uh, am i all the reporting from people that work at these places so in spacex in particular he's got gwen shotwell as his president and ceo below him he's the chairman of the board i think or anyway he he calls himself like the collective or something but but his immediate lieutenant is gwen shotwell she's very pragmatic very rooted in the here and now very systems oriented very procedural very much in charge so if he stepped away for a year, she could she could run SpaceX along with her senior gotcha. staff. Okay. Uh, what you might not have is the fire breathing dragon of Elon pushing for Starship, pushing mm-hmm. for Mars, pushing mm-hmm. for this, pushing for that. Um, I'm not crazy about the fact that he's been distracted by this Twitter thing for even the few months that he has. But you know, he gets to do what he wants to do. Oh, that's he's, right. He's oh, really no, rich and no, that's guy, right. You know, it's his. Citizen. It's but his dime. Yeah, it's his time. He gets to do with it what he wants. Oh, one other quick thing. We got a few sure. minutes here. I just want to change course completely. So everybody's uh, justifiably concerned about the wind chills that are around Chicago tonight. Um, we're talking 30, 40, 50 degrees below zero. What's the temperature in outer oh space? What, what's the temperature in outer space? In the shade, it's about minus 250 Fahrenheit. And in the sun, <laughs> it's about plus 250. So that's why when they were sending the Apollo capsules to the moon, they put them in what they call barbecue mode. So they spin <laughs> along the long axis and yeah. distribute the heat evenly. But if you were out there in shirt sleeves for more than about 30 seconds, you'd be a crispy critter on the one side and an ice ball on the other. Uh, uh, Rod is also a host of a podcast called This Week in Space. Uh, yes, and, you ha- and you have a holiday special coming up. Which yeah. I saw a brief news blurb somewhere over the past couple of days uh, about Christmas dinner for astronauts, and it sh- and it showed like four or five little packets of various colors that supposedly represented, I don't know, turkey, mashed potatoes, or something turkey or other rolls, cranberry sauce. Yeah, I, is that the way it goes? I mean, yeah. Well, it's a little better now that they've actually got a. a uh, the executive chef that programs the food for the space station. Um, but yeah, and especially if you go back to, so the, the, the podcast episode this week, is yeah. about Apollo eight, cause it's, you know, 1968 Christmas Eve, terrible year. And then we get this transmission, this reading of Genesis from lunar orbit on Christmas Eve is a big deal. I mean, those guys were basically eating a little better than toothpaste and like, <laughs> Taste patties, you know, right, with a right. little bit of hot water squirt. Yeah, yeah. But we were fortunate to get the flight director from that flight, Jerry Griffin, who's this really nice guy. So I was able to grab him for half an hour. And he talked about what it was like to be there at Christmas and all that stuff. So I was yeah. just on cloud nine. So if you get a chance, uh, check it out. 
It's called uh, This Week in Space, and I'm guessing that it's available wherever podcasts are sold or heard yeah, or Spotify transmitted or whatever they're called. places, yeah, downloaded, <laughs> streamed. There we go. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me. Yeah, they used to have – wasn't it Tang? Is that a tr- um, a, a powdered – wasn't there yeah. an ast- wasn't Tang a part of the menu for astronauts as far as orange it was juice? But you know there was always this conception that oh it was invented for the space program. Tang oh no, been around for years. Yeah, yeah. NASA just said hey this stuff is good, and the other good thing about it is the powder is kind of granular, right? So it doesn't suddenly just go puff and and get all over your capsule and into your lungs. <laughs> so that was kind of important. So they were. It was the kind of the ideal drink. It's pretty hideous stuff if you've had it lately. Oh, I, I have. Yeah, it is pretty. When hideous. I was on that Arctic trip, we drank Tang by yeah. the gallon because yeah. it was all we could do. And uh, I won't be drinking Tang again soon. Well, Rod, uh, thank you so much for making us aware of what's going on up there. And I thanks do. for thanks for being with us tonight. And uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, uh, Happy Hanukkah, and a Happy New Year. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks. Happy holidays to you and stay inside and stay warm man i sure will rod pile who's the editor-in-chief of ad astra magazine and uh the podcast is this week in space and it's going to be a holiday special